Have you ever heard of Tony Timpa? I bet you haven't. Dallas Morning News reported August 2016, Timpa wailed and pleaded for help more than 30 times as officers pinned his shoulders, knees, and neck to the ground. Timpa, 32-year-old schizophrenic, called police on himself saying he was off his meds and needed help. When police arrived, they had already, he had already been, Timpa had already been handcuffed by a security guard. Three Dallas Police Department officers restrained him for nearly 14 minutes as he pleaded, you are going to kill me. You're going to kill me. You're going to kill me. Eventually, Timpa went limp, at which time the officers mocked him and made jokes. In the end, when paramedics finally came and put Timpa's flaccid body on a stretcher, one officer said, I hope we didn't kill him. But they had. The Dallas Morning News first reported Timpa's death in 2017 following an investigation where, uh, that showed that police had refused to say how a man who had called 911 for help had ended up dead. The officers were still on duty. There was no disciplinary action that had been taken at the time. In fact, the Dallas police refused to release the body cam footage that was only done after a three-year legal battle. You may be thinking about this situation, thinking, wow, this sounds eerily similar to the case of George Floyd. But you never heard of it, have you? And I would suggest you probably never heard of it, tragically, because the skin color of Tony Timpa. Because our modern media presents those situations that they think are going to promote their ideological agenda. It's not to say that, obviously, there, there are uh, instances of police abuse or instances of real racism that take place in our culture. Uh, but so much of the contemporary media is trying to push certain ideologies, ideology which uh, is, is what I'm calling critical race theory, um, which is a subset of critical theory. Now, I feel like I need to clear the ground and explain a little bit what I'm not going to be saying in this series uh, so that you understand me. I'm not saying that there is no racism in this country or in this world, uh, although I will try to frame that word racism in biblical categories and biblical understanding. I think actually a better term would might be ethnic partiality. Uh, the term race is actually a term that comes out of evolutionary theory um, and is, is more of a secular term. When, when you think of uh, Irish food, Italian food, you're, you're looking at an ethnic cookbook, right? Uh, you, you don't say, 
Um, I really like race food. <laughs> certain kinds of race foods. No, you say certain kinds of ethnic food. And the biblical category really is ethnicity, okay? Um, and, and so there is real racism in this world because there's real sin. Uh, there is real partiality. Um, also, contrary to critical race theory, which we have yet to define, uh, racism is something that can be practiced by somebody from any ethnic group. It's not just light-skinned people who can be racist. In fact, I became aware of this some years ago when I was in Los Angeles, and I realized that uh, as I was talking with a Korean person, and they spoke ill of Vietnamese people and Filipino people, and realized that for us, usually people who are Asian, they kind of all look the same to us. You know, the Koreans, uh, Vietnamese, Thai, they, they all look similar to us. Uh, you know, we just kind of lump them all as Asians or Chinese, but, but there's even racism or ethnic partiality amongst those people groups. It's really something that is uh, as old as man is. Uh, when you read the Bible, you see the way in which people treated the Samaritans. You see John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman who's ostracized because she's half Gentile, half Jewish. And so this is something that this, this kind of ethnic partiality, which is filled with pride and hatred, is something that's common to all of humanity. And, and this, is, this is obviously an important topic for us to deal with, to, to think through what the Bible says about it and where the actual sin is that needs to be addressed, but also when it comes to what I'm, what I'm calling critical race theory, I want to suggest that this, this ideology is not biblical, it's anti-biblical, it's anti-biblical justice. It, it actually promotes sinful ethnic partiality, or if you want to call it racism. But at the same time, I also want to say that evangelicals, Bible-believing Christians, are low-hanging fruit when it comes to being deceived by this. Um, That genuine believers can be quickly and easily deceived on this topic. And there's a couple reasons for that. Because first of all, When we think about the history of this country, there has been real, awful, wicked racism uh, in this country, starting with the the slave trade industry um, that even predates the founding of this country, um, a, a bloody civil war with one of the big issues related to that, Um, not only states' rights versus federal rights, but also the issue of slavery. And then even after the Civil War, you have uh, Jim Crow laws 
that uh, perpetuated racism in this country, real wicked looking down upon people because of the color of their skin. And so, so you have a real history of awful, wicked treatment of people of darker skin color uh, that has existed historically in this country. Secondly, critical race theory often uses some biblical language but fills it with unbiblical and even, I would say, anti-biblical meaning. What do I mean by that? Well, I already used the term justice. Um, Is that a biblical term? Yes, right? The term justice is very biblical, right? Uh, God is very concerned about justice, righteousness. Um, In fact, over and over throughout the scriptures, uh, there's all kinds of even judicial principles of due process and having a multitude of witnesses and things like that. Uh, God is concerned about justice, righteousness in his world. Um, So obviously, the heartbeat of a Christian should be concerned about injustice, right? But the problem is, as as we will see throughout the series, is that often what's portrayed as quote-unquote social justice is actually not only non-biblical justice, it's anti-justice, it's actually injustice, it's a form of partiality. And so, again... (laughs) This can be, it, it can be very confusing, right? When somebody says, uh, uh, you know, there's this form of injustice, uh, the, the heartbeat of a Christian should be, well, that's wrong. We need to do something about that, right? Secondly, another term, how about the term anti-racism, okay? <laughs> I mean, who would be against being against racism, Right? But when you actually read the literature uh, that is propagated by so many of the CRT advocates, you begin to realize that actually anti-racism is a catchphrase for racism. <laughs> and so, it can, it, again, this, you can be easily deceived by these things. How about oppression? Okay. I mean... It, Anybody for oppression here? Okay. Uh, I, I, I would think that as Christians, we would be against one person or one people group oppressing another people group, right? And so, again, if we're not clear on what's being talked about, clear on what's being propagated, we can be easily bamboozled into believing lies. Or how about this one? Okay. Black Lives Matter. I mean, who would be against that, right? <laughs> no, black lives don't matter. I mean, who, who in their right mind, what, what genuinely born-again Christian would, would suggest that somebody's life doesn't matter because of the color of their skin? Okay? But when you kind of scratch below the surface, even of... For instance, an organization like Black Lives Matter, you actually begin to realize the only lives that matter to Black Lives Matter are dead black men because that group 
is making buku bucks off of dead black men. And as far as I know, I mean, when you look at the Fortune 500 companies who have given money to that organization, and then when you trace how much that organization has helped the families of these dead black men, they haven't given a dime. (laughs) They've only filled their own wallets, okay? So, again, so you have to actually understand what's what's going on, understand some of these terms from a biblical perspective. So we're going to try to define some of the terms here, and then uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll have time to look, uh, look at, uh, begin to compare critical race theory with, with the scriptures and, and, and understand that this, what we're talking about when we're talking about critical race theory is really a worldview a religion in and of itself. They have a view of man. They have their view of truth. They have their view of what's right and what's wrong, a view of salvation. And we need to look at it through a biblical lens to compare what the Scripture says. So what is critical race theory? UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs defines CRT like this. CRT recognizes that racism is ingrained in the fabric and system of American society. The individual racist need not exist to note that institutional racism is pervasive in the dominant culture. This is the analytical lens, and this is very important. This is the analytical lens because this is the lens by which Everything is viewed. And again, this is important because, you know, when, when you flip on the TV and you hear some politicians say that the root cause of, uh, of climate change is racism, and we're all like kind of scratching our head, like saying, what on earth? How do you get from, you know, from climate change to racism? You have to understand this is the lens by which everything is interpreted, Okay. And so if you're wearing these glasses, this is how you're going to see everything, okay? And so this, again, this is, this is from the UCLA school who, this is from the horse's mouth. These are proponents of this. So it's the individual racist need not exist to note that institutional racism is pervasive in the dominant culture. This is the analytical lens that CRT uses in examining existing power structures, CRT identifies that these power structures are based on white privilege and white supremacy, which perpetuates the marginalization of people of color. CRT also rejects the traditions of liberalism and meritocracy. Legal discourse says that the law is neutral and colorblind. However, CRT challenges this legal, quote, truth, end quote, by examining liberalism and meritocracy as a vehicle for self-interest, power, and privilege. CRT also recognizes that liberalism and meritocracy are often stories heard from those with wealth, power, and privileges. Privilege. These stories paint a false picture of meritocracy. Everyone who works hard can attain wealth, power, and privilege while ignoring the systemic inequalities that institutional racism provides. So 
That's CRT, uh, I would say in a nutshell, but that's kind of a lengthy paragraph. But basically the idea of, of viewing everything through the lens of oppressor and the oppressed, okay? And specifically when it comes, because there, there, I mentioned CRT, critical race theory, is a subcategory of critical theory because each kind of, uh, and we'll see this when we talk about intersectionality, each, there's different kinds of oppressed groups. Sometimes it's based on skin color. Sometimes it's because of your, um, you know, quote-unquote sexual orientation. Sometimes it's because you're female. Um, but everything is viewed through the lens of there's oppressor and the oppressed. Um, and it's, it's a philosophy that came about in the 1930s, okay, it came about in the 1930s um, as a kind of offshoot of classical Marxism. Uh, Vody Bauckham in his book, which, by the way, we just got a handful of them in the book room if anybody wants to dive into a thorough treatment. He has a helpful book called Fault Lines that deals with this topic in a far more eloquent way than, than I will deal with it. But he says in this book, perhaps the most famous group was a group associated with the Institute for Social Research in Frankfurt, Germany, which applied Marxism to a radical interdisciplinary social theory. The group included Max Horkheimer, T.W. Adorno, Irish Fromm, Herbert Marcuse, George Lukacs, Walter Benjamin, and came to be known as the Frankfurt School. These men developed critical theory as an expansion of conflict theory and applied it more broadly, including other social sciences and philosophy. Their main goal was to address structural issues causing inequity. They worked from the assumption that the current social reality was broken and they needed to identify the people and institutions that make changes and provide practical goals for social transformation. And so so critical theory was birthed out of Marxism, okay? If, if you're familiar with classical Marxism, Karl Marx uh, and uh, his, his main evangelist, uh, Martin Engels, they viewed everything through power structures. So, but it was primarily economical. Okay, where you had the rich and you had the poor, and the rich were there to oppress the poor. And so that's what communism was birthed out of Leninism, and and it's it's kind of various strands of Marxism, whether it was Chinese Marxism with Mao Zedong, or whether it was a you know, Russian uh, Marxism with Leninism uh, or even its forms, uh, you know, that uh, found their way south of here in Cuba, um, viewing everything with power structures of the oppressor and the oppressed. But Marxism, classical Marxism, primarily viewed it through economic structures. M- money motivates everything. So the Frankfurt School kind of spun off of that and said, well, you know, there's a truth in the economic oppression, but, but also we need to see things. There, there's other cultural power structures that need to be structurally addressed uh, in, you know, through 
people's race, um, you know, where you have certain dominant races and where there's the oppressed and the oppressor. So CRT is Marxism repackaged as a kind of cultural Marxism. And, and this is not... This is not some kind of conspiracy theory. It's no accident that the three black lesbian women who are the founders of Black Lives Matter are trained Marxists, okay? They were, they're unashamed, unavowed Marxists, okay? They're anti-capitalism, um, anti-pretty much all the principles that, that were involved in the founding of this country, um, and so, Neil Shenvey and Pat Sawyer, they explain that modern critical theory views reality through the lens of power. Each individual is seen either as oppressed or as an oppressor, depending on their race, class, gender, sexuality, and the number and a number of other categories. Oppressed people are subjugated not by physical force or even overt discrimination, but through the exercise of hegemonic power, the ability of dominant groups to impose their norms, values, and expectations on society as a whole, relegating other groups to subordinate positions. Let me just pause at this point in... I've kind of dumped a lot on you. And so if you have any questions, now, if you'll just give me the freedom, if you have, if I think we're going to answer these later to defer to the later, but any questions at this point? Uh, Barb. Uh, I'm sorry, you're going to have to speak up. Yeah, yeah, the the, the founders of BLM, uh, three three uh, black lesbian women. Um, it was birthed out of after the Trayvon Martin case. I uh, remember that where uh, the uh, Hispanic guy had killed the the young black kid in Florida, and then when he was acquitted of that, that's where BLM was birthed out of that by those women. Um, and uh, and they've been making a killing since. <laughs> I'll just say that. Uh, that's some serious race hustling operation going on there. Good. Any other questions? Yeah, Amy? Sure, yeah, like... Classic liberalism in the sense of, uh, you know, of people having freedom from oppression of the government, which is kind of ironic, right? Because in, in, it makes sense if you trace, if you trace um, Marxism, right, uh, it's, it's where the government takes control of things, okay? But then meritocracy is the idea that um, if I work hard uh, in this world, there's opportunities where I can advance, okay? So, um, so CRT would say it, it doesn't matter how hard you work, 
you're, you're going to be oppressed because the structures are in place to keep you oppressed, okay? So meritocracy is the idea that through hard work, you can, you know, you can achieve things in, in this, this world, okay? Good. Any other questions? Okay. All right. Pushing forward. Now, there are two areas now, be, before we get to what I would call pushing the antithesis and, and showing how this ideology conflicts with Scripture. I do want to just mention two areas uh, of agreement um, when it comes to CRT. Um, CRT affirms that race, as it has been defined historically and legally, is a social construct and not a concept legitimately rooted in human nature or human biology. I I agree with that. Um, I agree that um, race is a social construct that we all, according to the Bible, uh, we've come from Adam. Okay, we're all related, and the differences between, uh, you know, myself and a dark-skinned person are basically the amount of melanin that one of us has, um, that we are all cut from the same cloth. We're all human beings, and, and so, uh, so much of, the, uh, of what is defined as race is really a social construct. Okay, that's not to say there's not differences in cultures and, and again, ethnicities. And, and Lord willing, we'll look at that a little bit closer and, and see some of the origins of that in the scripture with the Tower of Babel. Uh, but, but nonetheless, we're, we're all human beings made in the image of God. Okay, now that's not what CRT teaches. Uh, CRT, but CRT, I think, does get a truth when it says that race is a social construct. They probably would also say that sex is a social construct as well. And so, you know, if I want to wake up tomorrow and be a woman, I can be a woman, which, okay, that's... So, so there's going to be a departure uh, when, when it comes to some of these things in vast majority. But, and then also, the second area is the reality of hegemonic power, the reality that, that there are powers in play. There is the ability of dominant groups to impose their norms, their values, their expectations on society as a whole, relegating other groups to subordinate positions. I mean, do we not see that today, where if you have certain opinions that are put out there on social media, you'll get the Facebook police arresting you, okay? You'll get in Facebook jail. You'll get canceled, okay? Uh, you know, there's, there's false standards of beauty, right? You know, that, that are imposed upon us by the culture where, you know, uh, girls from a young age are taught that this is, this is what beauty looks like. You know, a whole, you know, hegemonic Disney culture that's imposed upon us and for the most part willingly, you know, um, there's redefinitions of family that are being imposed upon us by the powers that be. You know, you think of so many of the dominant forces in our culture are, 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 are being propagated, uh, you know, ideologies against so much of what we believe, whether it's Hollywood, uh, the, 
major media outlets, the institutes of higher education, even into the public school systems, right? You know, that's why many of you choose to educate your children at home, right? Um, because the reality, there's certain hegemonic powers that are at play that you'd rather not, uh, you know, subject your children, your family to. So that's reality, right? Um, Owen Strachan, or I'm sorry, Owen Strayan, pronounced that wrong, in, in his book called Christianity Wokeness, he says, this term denotes race-based prejudice against someone only when it is coupled with power, that is, prejudice plus power, such that an individual cannot display racism if he or she is an ethnic minority. And so, so this is one of the, the hallmarks of CRT, is that people of lighter skin, whites are racist, who want to oppress minorities. Minorities cannot be racist because they are not in power. Uh, it is a systemic system that oppresses through economic, political power, through structures and institutions, um, no longer uh, are we dealing with in individuals, but this is, and this goes so much with, with its kind of Marxist background of collectivism, so that everybody is broad-brushed in certain categories of whites, blacks, oppressors, oppressed, heterosexuals versus homosexuals it's 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 so this there's this class warfare taking place again strayan says in woke thought this phrase oh i already read that um so that's that's crt okay the second term that needs to be defined is intersectionality intersectionality. Again, Vody says on this, put simply, intersectionality is about the multiple layers of oppression minorities suffer. For instance, if a black person has one layer of oppression, a black woman has two. A black lesbian woman has three, etc. The Encyclopedia of Diversity and Social Justice offers a helpful summary. Our experiences of the social world are shaped by our ethnicity, race, social class, gender identity, sexual orientation, and numerous other facets of social stratification. Some social locations afford privilege, for instance, being white, while others are oppressive, being poor. These various aspects of social inequality do not operate independently of each other. They interact to create interrelated systems of, of oppression and domination. The concept of intersectionality refers to how these various aspects of social location intersect to mutually constitute individuals' lived experiences. And so this is actually another principle which, which makes it so very dangerous for Christians to get on board with this lens. Because often, again, like as Christians, we can and should be against real ethnic partiality, real racism, okay? But once you adopt this lens, 
It's not only the people of color who are oppressed, it's the homosexual who is oppressed. It's the lesbian who is an oppressed people group. It's the transgender who's an oppressed. So it's the, the female who's an oppressed people group. So, so, so you can't just pick and choose. Well, I'm, I'm just going to adopt CRT but not take critical theory. No, you actually can't do that. It's, it's all going to be one package, one worldview, uh, one lens that's going to, you know, so sadly, before long, you'll be, you'll be an advocate for the transgender community. Um, so that, again, it's going to be things like this. Men who have leadership positions naturally oppress women with a kind of toxic masculinity. Never heard that phrase before. Uh, imperial intellectuals use construct of reason to oppress minority groups in the academy. You know, this is why we hear things like math is racist. And you're thinking, well, I didn't know numbers had colors, right? Uh, but again, when you're viewing everything through this lens, that's what you wind up with. The rich oppress the poor. Fiscal inequality is inherently wrong. Uh, and and we'll, we'll touch on this more in the future, but... but uh, it's very important, this, this, and you can see how socialism and communism is looming large in the background here because any kind of disparity, any kind of difference, whether it's economic or whatever, is, is something that needs to be done away with. So the, the aim is ultimately equality of outcome with every everybody and everything, which is very important for us to distinguish between equality of opportunity. Um, equality of outcome is an illusion. It's an impossibility, okay? You can't have an equality of outcome. I mean, just look at the communist experiments of the 20th century. Was there an equality of outcome when you had, you know, full-blown, full-throttled, Communism, no, okay? You, you wound up an imbalance of power tremendously so. Um, also, again, cisgendered and heteronormative straight people are oppressors of sexual minorities. So, so that's intersectionality where you have certain boxes to tick, you know? So um, in, in the more boxes you can tick the more an oppressed person you are who then, you know, needs to be elevated, okay? This is why, you know, someone like Pete Buttigieg can become the, you know, Secretary of Transportation, even though he's a white male and normally he would be considered in that oppressor group, but because he identifies as a homosexual, now, you know, he needs to be propped up and put into this position, So that's intersectionality. Any questions on intersectionality? So we're, we're learning the vocabulary here, if you didn't already know it, okay? The third term to define is wokeness, okay? And CRT, you know, the, the term by itself, to be woke or awoke, means to be awakened. Uh, but it's really, when it, when it comes to the lens of CRT, 
in, very, in a very real sense, it's, it's their term for conversion. Conversion so that you are now awake to the structural systems that are in play that oppress either people of color or homosexuals or transgender, okay? So, so to become woke is, in a sense, to be converted into the ideology, okay? Now, it's very important to understand <clears throat> what wokeness is not because, you know, sometimes we can... I think uh, mislabel people because we see certain things. We'll say, oh, they're woke over there, you know. So wokeness is not wanting unity amongst different ethnicities, you know. So if you see somebody desiring unity amongst different ethnicities, it's not proper to call them woke, you know. They just may want Christian unity, okay, peace amongst people of different ethnicities, um, wokeness is not wanting greater diversity in your local church. You know, that's not being woke. That's not, that doesn't mean you've adopted all the critical race theory ideologies because you'd like to see more diversity in your local church. Wokeness is not enjoying different cultures, okay? There's nothing wrong with enjoying different cultures, although I think we need to understand so much of the multiculturalism that is uh, propagated in our culture is, uh, would, would say that all cultures are created equal. Now, there's some parts of some cultures that are they're not necessarily good or evil. There's some parts of some cultures that can be evil. You know, Nazi culture... <laughs> Okay, there's a lot of evil in Nazi culture, okay? Um, you know, there's certain, certain, you know, but flavors of food, how much spices you put in seasonings in different foods, um, holiday traditions, you know, these things, you know, are different preferences that we can enjoy with different cultures. It doesn't mean one is woke because they enjoy different cultures, or adopting children of different ethnicities, okay? Um, I want to be careful here. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, you know we, we like to joke in our family that, uh, you know, we have so many different shades of color, and we, we like to put in the category, we have dark chocolate, we have milk chocolate, we have caramel, you know, we have um, white chocolate, um, you know, it, we, we have all kinds of different shades, but, but that doesn't mean because, uh, you know, I've, we have adopted and brought into our home and seek to love and care for people. Honestly, uh, for us, it's, it's, it's not a concern what the color of a, a child, the, the skin color of a child in need is. We want to help a child who needs a home. And if that means they're pasty white like me, then that means they're, if it means they're dark chocolate, hey, they need a home, we'll care for them, okay? Um, so being woke does not mean adopting children of different ethnicities, 
which, which by the way, um, you know, some of the, those full-throttled in CRT would say what we do in our family is colonizing people of color, and I abominate such thinking. I think that's just wicked. Assuming my motives are to make my children who are darker skin, you know, into, uh, you know, pasty white like me. I mean, it's just, that's just wicked. That's just wicked thinking. Um, Wokeness is not grieving the needless deaths of people from different nations or even our own country. Wokeness is not hating that the Bible was twisted to support slavery, especially the chattel slavery of colonial America. Wokeness is not understanding that horrible evils have been done to African Americans, Native Americans, and Chinese in this, uh, this country. That is a historical reality. So that's wokeness. Wokeness is kind of the point of conversion of becoming awakened to the structural realities of oppression and adopting uh, critical race theory, whether, whether or not you understand the term critical race theory or not. Questions, comments on that? Okay, pressing forward. Fourth term to define, social justice. Owen Strayan explains, according to critical race theory and intersectional thoughts, civil law and basic institutional structures throughout society need to be re-envisioned. The law has heretofore supported inequity, so the argument goes. Thus, the law and the hiring practices and admission policies and other sorting elements need to be needs reformulating such that it is not a tool of retributive justice rendering to each what they deserve, that's the meritocracy, but a tool of distributive justice that is reapportioning privilege to those uh, without it. Equality of outcome, not equality of opportunity, is the desired result. Said differently in CRT thinking, the fundamental concern of civil law is not to apply justice proportionate to human actions, but to enact social justice based on cultural considerations. And here's the the strange irony here, is social justice that tries to uh, to to produce equality of outcome actually promotes a kind of partiality that the Bible would condemn as injustice, okay? And so that's why, again, this is why these terms need to be defined clearly. So we can quickly note that minority groups have been discriminated against in many cases in history, in some cases to a terrible degree. Furthermore, law enforcement must be held accountable for their actions. Police officers who err should be disciplined like any other person. Nonetheless, if we relinquish the law, demonize law enforcement, defund the police, we descend into anarchy. We create an unstable society. We wrong many who would then live without justice, who would be preyed upon by evildoers. Well, so that's social justice. Social justice is, is the aim of using law and political um, structures 
to quote unquote level the playing field so that there's equality of outcome, not necessarily equality of opportunity. Questions? Okay, now we're going to start comparing um, in our brief time left, comparing it as a worldview compared with Christianity. Number one, and there's not going to be a number two today. Um, I realize that, so I stopped at number one. But number two is coming, and number three will be forthcoming. But number one is belief about truth. CRT understands truth as, uncha- as changing and non-absolute. In, in this view, truth is mud and not concrete, Okay. And obviously, according to the Scripture, that's going to be a problem because the Scripture presents absolute truth, transcendent truth that's been revealed to us by God himself. And in this sense, CRT is very much common with so much of postmodern thought where there's relativism, there's, there's not absolute truth. Um, so that personal truth of Historically disadvantaged people, in other words, is truer or takes precedent over personal truth of historically privileged people. Past powerlessness effectively determines the truth. The truth is more; some truth is more important than other truths. And this really gets into um, what Vodi Bakum calls ethnic Gnosticism. Uh, this is a, a term that he coined, ethnic Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism was a, his, uh, a, a early church heresy that taught that some people have this special esoteric knowledge from God that sets them above other people, okay? And here... Vodi calls this ethnic Gnosticism, that if, if you are of a particular people group, then you have this certain elevated knowledge that makes your truth superior to other people's truth. Um, with this, Tara Yasso, in her book, Race, Ethnicity, and Education, says CRT recognizes that experiential knowledge of people is of color is legitimate, appropriate, and critical to understanding and analyzing and teaching about racial subordination. Uh, so when it comes to CRT in its most secular version, um, truth is relative. Truth is based off of personal experience. This is why stories become so important. Narrative becomes so very important in the system. Um, and again, when, when, when we compare this with the Scripture, the Scripture presents us with absolute truth. Now, obviously, with the, when, when we're talking about maybe those believers who have imbibed some of this CRT, uh, unless they've totally turned away from Christianity, there's going to be some believing in absolute truth. But what winds up happening, I would suggest, is that there's a lack of belief in the sufficiency of Scripture to teach us truth when it comes to these matters of racism. Okay, So that the Bible is not enough 
you have to delve into CRT to rightly understand this issue. Um, look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, is inspired by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for how many good works? Every good work, okay? I think we can safely conclude that Rooting out ethnic partiality, or as it's commonly called in our culture, racism, real racism, not CRT's version of racism, whereby a person pridefully, self-righteously looks down upon another person because of the ethnic group they are from, that the Bible speaks to that issue. That is a wicked thing that should be repented of. The Bible equips us for every good work. Okay, so that what we have in the scripture is adequate to help us to understand this, to deal with it, to properly put it in its right category. Um, 2 Peter 2, uh, 2 Peter 1, 2 and 3, it says uh, in verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who calls us by his own glory and excellence. The scriptures give us everything we need for life and godliness, that we are amply supplied to deal with this matter in a way that would be honoring to God. And then if you continue on in 2 Peter, I think this is fascinating because this this really kind of nails it when it comes to the tendency to elevate personal experience above the authority of scripture. Because Peter's going to talk about a personal experience he had. In 2 Peter 1.16, it says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, and we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. What is Peter, what experience is Peter referring to here in, in 2 Peter 1, 16 to 18? The transfiguration, okay? Now, I've never seen Jesus in his glorified state, okay? That must have been quite a sight. To see Jesus glowing, okay? Uh, this was quite an experience, an experience so much that Peter's like, hey, let's, let's, let's camp out here. Let's build some, some tabernacles here. Let's, 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 let's do this thing forever, okay? That was quite an experience, right? I mean, if you had that experience, you'd be bragging about that for a long time, But then notice verse 19, what Peter says. So we have the prophetic word made more sure 
to which you would do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by, the, by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. In verse 19 here, Paul, uh, Peter says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, he's saying, I had this experience over here, but I want to tell you, we have something more certain. We have the word of God. So that the word of God ultimately is, is that absolute standard of truth by which we even interpret our own experiences. I, I mean, and, and isn't that real? Oftentimes we, we struggle even to understand our own experiences, right? Sometimes we misinterpret people. Sometimes we get the facts wrong. And we need help from God's word so that God's word has to be the ultimate standard, the ultimate authority. Any closing questions, comments? I've had an excerpt at the bottom there from the Dallas Statement. I think, let me just read the denial there and then we'll close with this. <laughs> Dallas Statement came out a couple years ago out of concerns of uh, the inroads of social justice and CRT within the evangelical church. It says, we deny that Christian belief, character, or conduct can be dictated by any other authority. We deny that postmodern ideologies derived from intersectionality, radical feminism, and critical race theory are consistent with, with biblical teaching. We further deny that competency to teach on any biblical issue comes from any qualification for spiritual people other than a clear understanding and simple communication of what is revealed in Scripture. And so the statement is denying that these unbiblical ideologies are needful in rightly understanding the Bible. Okay. Well, let me pray. Feel free if you have questions, come up afterwards. Also, um, we're just dipping our toe into the waters. More, 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 more stuff to come. Lord God, we thank you for the truth of your word, which is a lamp to our feet and light into our path. Lord, we grieve over the reality of, of, of real ethnic partiality that exists in this world. And Lord, in as much as it might exist in any of our hearts, may we confess it, may we root it out. May we deal with it in a way that would honor you. We also pray that you would help us to cross barriers and, and uh, befriend and love people of different ethnicities than ourselves. But also, Lord, that you would help us to root out unbiblical, godless ideologies that would just seek to destroy and divide and bring about conflict and hatred and jealousy between different ethnic groups. Lord, this is so much of what CRT does. 
It just breeds hatred and animosity and jealousy and all kinds of works of the flesh that that have no place in our hearts. And so, Lord, may we think clearly and biblically on this matter in a way that would bring honor and glory to you. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen.